This is the Author Archive podcast. Jeffrey Ash has written a book about the Hellfire Clubs, where these chaps used to dress up as monks and uh, mix with the local nuns, in inverted commas, and they had a motto. Do what you will. Actually, when I first took up that theme, I wasn't all that interested in them. And then I began to look before and after. I found that this motto, do what you will, was taken from Rabelais in the 16th century, who imagined a sort of ideal community where that was the only rule. And I asked myself, well, who has taken up this slogan at various times? And the most important is the so-called Hellfire Club in England in the 18th century. But there were others. Yes, I mean, this is the one, if you know about this, then um, I immediately associated the Hellfire Clubs with West Wickham, the Dashwood um, man, and that place, you say, we have to pronounce Mednam? Mednam, yes. Yes. Now, that's what I thought it was. So let's just talk about that to start with. Yes. There were, how, many, uh, how many members were there of this Hellfire Club? Well, to begin with, they didn't call themselves the Hellfire Club. That was a nickname that was given him later. The original, the real name was the Order of the Friars of St. Francis of Wickham, because it was a mock religious organization, you see. They were making fun of religion, and they used to have blasphemous services in the chapel and so forth. Now, how many were there? Well, there was an inner circle of probably about 12 or 15 headed by Sir Francis Dashwood, and then a good many who came and went for the orgies and other amusements. Um, we don't know as much as we would like because the secretary, Paul Whitehead, burnt most of the records just before his death. He didn't want people to be incriminated, I suppose. But there are enough records to tell something about it, yes. And these, presumably, these men, 12, 15, were rich young men? Rich, various ages, uh, not, not so young, actually. Sir, Fran Sir Francis was in his 40s. and. Um, it was more a sort of uh, middle-aged outfit, actually. There were younger ones, of course. Um, but to a certain extent, you know, it had a political angle. Uh, <clears throat> in those days, there was no official parliamentary opposition. There were the ins and the outs, more or less. And those who were out tended to gather together and wait for the king to die in the hope that the next king would give them jobs. And there was this partly in, in, the, in the case of this club. But, of course, I don't think opposition politicians would just have got together to say, when's the old man going to die? It was much more fun to gather and have orgies. Yes, now, <coughs> I mean, w without being indelicate, have we got any, uh, a a any written accounts of actual orgies taking place. You, it is good to let the imagination fly. Mm -hmm. You know, these blokes dressed up as friars or whatever, yes. and they can import women dressed up as nuns. But did it, did it really happen? It did happen. Part of, part of the information we have is from one of them, John Wilkes, a younger man who came in rather late uh, and became, had, a, had quite a reputation later as a radical politician. But when King George III came in, um, several of the Hellfire Brethren were given jobs in government. Wilkes wasn't. I believe he wanted to be governor of Canada, and they didn't give him the job, and he published an expose of the club in a paper that he owned. And what does this expose say? 
Well, a good deal of it was about the sexual angle, about their eating so much and drinking so much, and meeting in a place that had obscene statues and obscene pictures. There are other descriptions of it, actually. Uh, they, they went boating on the Thames sometimes, and they had a library uh, which looked quite respectable. Until you took the books down and looked at them, then you found that the covers were dummies, and inside they were pornographic literature. It just seems to have been a lot of good fun. Now, <clears throat> there were no women as officially members, but they were brought in. They seemed to have been society ladies who didn't want to be found out. They arrived wearing masks, and when they were satisfied that they were among friends, the masks came off, and in due course so did other things. But the, the don't seem to have been officially nuns of Medinum. But of course, the women were important, and they drank an enormous amount. Uh, Horace Walpole, the critic and author at that time, says when they were going to have a meeting at Maidenham, you could tell in the neighborhood by what he called the importation of nymphs and hogsheads, <laughs> women and large quantities of drink which were being carted up and unloaded at, Ma at the Maidenham. There was this, uh, this religious, this anti-religious element. How much of that was sort of hijinks and how much of it was anger um, at the established church? Oh, largely hijinks. Uh, the, the, the church was, of course, officially established in the 18th century, but very few people took it seriously. It was more a ceremonial body than they crowned the king and so forth. But not many people in England at that time did take religion very seriously, except, of course, uh, Wesley in the Methodist revival. But people like Sir Francis Dashwood and his friends didn't. But they thought it was rather fun to have a sort of pseudo-chapel with dirty pictures and a an image of Venus on the altar, and they sang hymns, parody hymns, and that composed some of their own parody poetry as well. So I wouldn't say that it was anti-religious in the way that developed in France, for instance, in the, Re in the French Revolution, when they really attacked the church. People in England in the 1760s didn't care enough about the church and in fact, Sir Francis Dashwood himself built a church on top of the hill at West Wickham, which is still there. Yes, and with the big Funny gold. looking thing with the gold ball on top. And inside, you'd hardly know it was a church. It's, it's modeled on a pagan temple as of about 400 AD. But it's a church, yes. And the stories of the Hellfire Club brethren going up into that golden ball, is there any truth in that? Uh, probably a few of them. The idea that they had whole meetings in it is quite impossible. There isn't room in that gold ball. But uh, Sir Francis probably went up there with a few cronies and looked out through the portholes at the view and drank. Uh, that would have been at a later time, because after, uh, after Wilkes's expose, uh, the whole thing rather went downhill. People didn't want to be associated with it anymore. That's one reason for the Hellfire Caves at West Wickham, which Dashwood had excavated as a more private kind of meeting place. So it went on, but not in a very big way. And there have been a few who did go up and meet in the Gold Ball, yes. I mean, how much of it we could think of now? Um, you know, you think now of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, the, the immortal mm -hmm. trilogy. Um, were these the same sort of people 
in, in their time? Was it the same kind of attitude? Uh, well, certainly older. There, there don't seem to have been any particularly young people in this outfit, except perhaps for some of the imported women. Um, and there was the political angle, of yes. course. But were, were any of these married men? Oh, some of them undoubtedly were. But uh, in the 18th century, you know, <laughs> the gentry married and uh, they, they tolerated each other's behaviour. Uh, I suppose one of the best known members was the Earl of Sandwich, uh, who did have quite a distinguished political career, but is better known because he invented sandwiches. Yes. And he really did invent sandwiches. It seems <laughs> too good to be true, but he was a member of the club, yes. <laughs> you tell, I mean, this, this book isn't just about West Wickham, no. it's about Hellfire Clubs in Ireland. There was one at the Killakee Dower House near Dublin. Uh, you know, W. B. Yeats was rather interested in that place, and he met cronies there. But I think when the Hellfire Club in Ireland was actually functioning, it was large. A good deal of it was due to Buck Whaley, who was a rather, ter rather terrible character. And some of the Irish part of it really sounds more sinister. Uh, there is evidence of people dying at their meetings and so on. There's nothing sinister at all about, the, uh, about Sir Francis's outfit. And later, uh, enemies did say that they, uh, they practiced devil worship and held black masses and things. Of, there's not the slightest evidence of that. But is it, is it not true that there is a dining club still at Brasenose College in Oxford called the Phoenix, where they dress up and they have a spare a spare chair at, at their dinners for the devil? Well, whether it's for the devil, I'm not sure. Uh, that does seem to be a descendant of an Oxford club, yes, which is, is rather shadowy, not much is known about it. But there does seem to have been a rather sinister club there. But after, um, uh, after Dashwood, you do get this do-what-you-will approach in other people, but it, um, it tends more and more to be taken up by characters like the Marquis de Sade, who make it really evil. I mean, the Marquis de Sade, somewhere in his writing, says, in effect, do what you will. But what he actually says is, uh, nature's only rule is to enjoy yourself at the expense of no matter whom. In other words, if you want to torture somebody, that's fine. Well, well the Dashwoods would never, Dashwood would never have said anything like that. Yes, and, and would it be fair to say that the, the appalling Manson family fits into this continuum? It does, certainly. In fact, in that book, <clears throat> I've, I've kept a passage which I wrote in the original edition, uh, quoting a um, Daily Telegraph leading article which refers to Manson and does quote this do-what-you-will rule. This is one of the reasons why I became interested that um, Manson and his crowd were doing something rather like this, but um, in a really evil way. If you look at it in a philosophical, um, higher way, this do-what-you-will, is it a dead end? I think it's a dead end for... I mean, you, you couldn't have people in general going around flouting morality. They'd all be killing each other and robbing each other. Uh, it's quite possible to do it in, in a select circle, as Dashwood did. Uh, and you find later instances of this. Uh, but um, philosophically, I think it is really a dead end. You, you couldn't have everybody doing it. 
<laughs> I mean, one of, the, uh, one of the soundest principles of morality was put forward by Immanuel Kant. Imagine what it would be like if everybody did it. Well, in this case, if everybody did it, life would be intolerable. Uh, it wouldn't work. But so where can we see uh, uh, people trying this now? In the 60s, it was a big time for do your own yes. thing and hippie communes, which mm. is a little Rabelaisian, really. A little, yes. Yes. So do we see any of that now? Well, my feeling now is that the whole thing has sort of spread out, you know. You get bits and pieces of people doing this. But um, the, the inheritors of the 60s are the people who call themselves New Age. And this is mostly a whole ragbag of astrology and pseudo-mysticism and vegetarian... Well, nothing against vegetarians, but it includes vegetarianism uh, and magic and crystal gazing and all sorts of things. And it's, it's not organised in the same way. I mean, I, where I live, in Glastonbury, that's one of the great centres of the New Age in this country, and I know plenty of people there who go in for all sorts of strange things. But I don't think they would ever get together as, a, as an anti-moral club, no. It also seems a little diffuse. Whatever these people were like, they were focused. Very much so, yes. You know, they knew what they wanted. Oh, very much. This, I think, is perhaps the key to it, that you, you can't really see the same sort of thing now because it is diffuse. Uh, the only, unless you're talking about Manson, the only person with any philosophic pretensions who said it was the so-called black magician Alistair Crowley, who said, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Mm -hmm.